Welcome to the Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning in to this special guest edition of the Nun Report. I'm excited to have with us today a guy with some strong ideas and opinions that I think you'll find interesting. We came, uh, we crossed paths randomly on Twitter a while back, and uh, he agreed to come on. Oh, and I also discovered in our initial exchange, he happens to be running for president of the United States representing the Libertarian Party. We're going to cover a ton of ground today, so buckle up and hang on. Let's get down to it. Welcome, host of Break the Cycle and 2024 Libertarian presidential candidate, Joshua Smith. Joshua, how you doing there today? I'm doing just fine, Dan. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to cover a lot of stuff. It's going to be fun. It's going to be rocket fire. People are going to be going, what is going on? These guys are all over the place. And uh, and I think that's that's fine. That's what we need to do. That's what people want. Um, for those that aren't familiar with you, how about a little bit about yourself, uh, some of your background, um, your story, if you will, and sure. what led you to the path that you're on? Um, because it's uh, it's no small path, right? Yeah, not at all. It's it's definitely a heavy undertaking. Uh, well, let's let's start back when I was a teenager. You know, nine eleven happened when I was seventeen. I was just a few months away from turning eighteen. Uh, I joined the military not long after nine eleven. Uh, you know, I had to go and protect my countrymen from the uh, the evil terrorists overseas, and um, I I ended up joining the navy because I didn't I didn't really want to go to war. You know, uh, and so um, uh, within six months of being in the navy, I was in the Persian Gulf on the USS Constellation. It was a you know, large battle group, oldest, oldest carrier in the fleet at the time, uh, Kitty Hawk class and George Bush, uh, junior, uh, declared war on Iraq. And so, uh, we were the biggest part of the shock and awe campaign. And, and, you know, I wasn't an anti-war person prior to this. Um, but as a 18, 19 year old kid, uh, it was all I could think about was, you know, the, the middle East is not just a giant desert. Like we're told, uh, Baghdad was a, a huge city with children and family pets and people had goals and dreams and they're trying to set up, you know, new educational outlets for their kids and um, people get up and put boots on every day and go to work just like I do to build the, their, uh, their economy. And um, we were dropping a hundred million tons of ordinance on the city. And uh, <laughs> it really, it was really, it really jaded me, you know, like to the military industrial complex and the, and the corrupt mission of the U S foreign policy. Um, and I, of course I didn't know, I didn't even know what the term foreign policy was at this time. Uh, but I got out of the military in 2005 and I was extremely jaded about this stuff. And uh, I found Ron Paul in 2007, of course, everyone knows mm -hmm. Papa Paul and uh, he's my, he's my hero. Uh, he's most probably the greatest statesman of my lifetime. Uh, and so I joined his campaign in 2007 and I, I worked very hard to try and get him elected in, in 08 um, in California, if you can believe that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> turns out he was right. Yeah, it turns out he was right about everything. Um, and uh, so I worked really hard there, but I watched the way that the GOP had treated Ron. And um, I kind of came around to this conclusion that my ideals, you know, the freedom and liberty that I was seeking uh, wasn't welcome in the GOP. Uh, they were arresting our delegates uh, at Cox's and places like um, um, New Orleans. Uh, they were blacking them out of the media entirely. They were trying to keep them out of the debates. Uh, they changed national convention rules uh to to screw with his delegates and 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 uh not include them and so i left the gop uh and i did come back in 2012 again to try and get ron paul elected um but i had joined the libertarian party as a registered voter and a member in 2010 i gave them uh 
three months worth. Sorry, my chair went down. I, I gave them three months worth of uh, donations and uh, they stonewalled me. I said, you know, what, what can I do? How can I help, you know, this, this cause? You guys are the only anti-war party left. Like, how can I help? And nobody got back to me. Nobody gave me a, you know, any kind of uh, idea of how I could make a difference in the United States. And so I left, I left, you know, as a member, but I stayed a registered voting uh, libertarian. And then in 2016, I saw the run up to this election. And to me, it was a clown show. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've followed, I've been watching Donald Trump my whole life since I was a little kid. He was on lifestyles of the rich and famous. And, um, you know, I, I'm at this point, I'm a hardcore libertarian. I've read all the philosophy. I've read all the economics. I see the dangers of central planning. I know how bad our warfare state is. I know how bad the welfare state is. Um, and, you know, I see the corruption and uh, I just was not having it. He's been a New York liberal my whole life and I, I'm not buying the populist message from him. Um, and, uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash him. I think he did some great things. He didn't start any wars in my lifetime, which yeah, that's his, good. And his good thing. I think his regulation policy executive order was really great. I, th- I think he's done some good things, but he truly let me down by not ending any of the wars. He truly let me down by not pardoning Julian Assange or, 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 uh, stopping the investigation into Edward Snowden. There were some things that truly let me down very, very big, but I wasn't going to get involved in this Hillary Clinton, as we all know, is probably will have me whacked if I talk about her on the show, but she's uh, <laughs> some of the worst foreign policy in our entire uh, lifetime, most corrupt politician maybe in our entire lifetime. D- um, disclaimer, Joshua Smith is not suicidal as far as I at know. At all, yeah, I am not. I am not now, nor have I ever been suicidal. And so um, and so I wasn't going to take part in that. So I, I got back with the Libertarian Party, and I was going to help out with this, this you know, um, uh, Gary campaign and and then Bill Weld came along and I'm like this guy sat on the board of CFR like I'm, I'm not gonna vote for this guy so I wrote in Ron Paul that year um, but uh, the chair of the party at the time Nicholas Sarwark he seemed like he knew what he was doing he had a great message he came out and said you know your tears are delicious and your parties will die and I thought that was such a great quote you know um, and uh, it turns out he wasn't the person I thought he was he started going after my heroes my libertarian heroes like Eric July and and uh, Dave Smith and um, Tom Woods and Ron Paul, for God's sake. Yeah. Ron Paul. Who could attack Ron Paul? If you're not a leftist, how could you attack this man? He's saying everything we believe. Um, and so I actually called around a bunch of bigger name libertarians that I knew through the publication scene and asked them to run against him for chairman. And no one would do it. They were like, you're crazy. This is the most popular chairman we've ever had in the Libertarian Party. We can't do it. And so I did it. I ran against Nicholas Sarwark in 2018. Uh, I got 12% of the vote or something like that lost, but I ended up on the national committee as an at-large. So I sat across from him for two years at these board meetings and uh, challenged him on everything. And then uh-huh. I ran, I ran again for chair in 2020 uh, and lost barely. I mean, inked, inked it out um, and ended up as an at-large again on the, on the, the national committee. So I was two term at-large representative for the whole national party. Um, and then I ran for vice chair last term and became the vice chair of the Libertarian Party. I actually won that on like the fourth ballot or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so now, you know, I'm watching this. We've kind of had this takeover of the Libertarian Party with conservative uh, libertarian principles, which has been nice. The messaging has gotten a lot better. We're not you know, we don't have fat naked guys dancing on stage at our at our national convention anymore. <laughs> uh, we've rooted out all the communism entirely. Um, there's still some things that I wasn't happy with, uh, even with the new leadership. Um, but it's it's mostly administration stuff and has nothing to do with the messaging. I think the messaging has been great. Um, and, you know, we were all hoping that Dave Smith was going to run for president. That was our guy. That was the guy that we were putting our, our faith behind. I had one at one point said I would quit my job and be his campaign manager. I just got done running three national campaigns. I got you, you know. Um, and uh, he decided not to. So I was looking at this this vacuum 
you know, and thinking these candidates aren't going to do it. These guys, these aren't the guys. And uh -huh. um, I built this national following. I have, I have the, the principle and philosophy and economics uh, wherewithal. And so I put together a campaign and, and kind of just put it out as a challenge. It really took off. We had in 48 hours, we had 50 campaign members uh, of the team. Uh, 24 hours after that, we had a full operational website. We were raising, uh, already raising money, already starting to book travel. So this is several months now, but we're, you know, we've been to Denver and New Jersey and New York, and we'll be in South Carolina and I'll be in Texas on Monday at Dal in Dallas at the, the Texas state fair. And so it's a real campaign and we're really doing good things. Nice. And we, we have some great goals in mind. Uh, of course, I'm not under any illusion that the libertarian candidate is going to win the presidential election in 2024. Any libertarian candidate that tells you these things is lying to you or, or lying to themselves. But isn't uh, it but about we, just getting part of it is just getting the message out there and getting the principles out there in front sure. of people so they can hear that perspective, right? Which kind of leads me to, I think where you're heading. And that is, uh, and you kind of touched on it is the libertarian party. They're, it's not immune to, um, you know, the establishment class, so to speak. Sure. Um, any more than the Democrat or Republican or what I call the uniparty is. Um, but so, so what separates you from, from the uniparty and what's going on now, what we have now, uh, as well as also what's, what makes you a standout in your own party as a libertarian? Well, I think, so there's several different things that make me stand away from the uniparty big time. One, I'm a blue collar working class guy. I've been through the plight of every middle class American in this country. I've been through the family law system. I get up every morning, put work boots on. And, you know, it's, it's, we we're so far removed from the politician class and the regime, as we like to call them, that they, they have no idea what we're going through and they don't care. Frankly, they don't care. Um, they care more about stuff in pockets of over 200 countries around the world. Um, they're, you know, when they tell you they're America first or they care about the American public, they don't, they never have, and they're never going to. Um, I do. I actually care about the America, the American public, and I am American first. I am the, the only libertarian running that's America first. Um, and, and, uh, and in my opinion, the only candidate running for president this year entirely, that's America first. Um, but you know, outside of that, uh, you know, my, my principles and my philosophy are very, very important to me. And I think that that separates, that's what separates the libertarian party entirely from every other party in this country is, you know, the, 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 the principles and the philosophy isn't there. There's no, that the, the platform is not backed by any principles or philosophy. It's kind of just like whatever we feel at the time. And that's what we saw during COVID, right? Like this, this COVID had the biggest transfer of principles I've ever seen from the left to the right, the right to the left, right? The, the right is all of a sudden like, anti-police state and uh pro-holistic health care and anti you know big pharma and now the Dude, left it's is weird it's the most bizarre thing because now we have the left the left is simping for giant corporations and they're pro war they love war the war left loves and, war yeah it's like it really is mind-blowing to see that and the reason why that is, is because these parties aren't built on any principles whatsoever they're only built to try and win the libertarian party actually has principles we're actually backed by a philosophy that's been written about by everyone from the founding fathers of the united states of america up through all of our greatest philosophers like murray rothbard and henry hazlitt and um you know just all these wonderful carl manger and all these great uh philosophers that have really uh, brought the philosophy home and made it what it is today and that's why our principles are are undeniable um, and that's why a lot of people, you know, say we're a joke because we stick to our principles. But I'd, I'd offer that if you can't stick to your principles, then you're not a real man. And you're, yeah. and you're probably and you're probably the joke and not the people who are willing to eat shit 
to continue to to uh, live their principles in a way that that they know how. And yeah, um, so that that really separates the parties and separates me and including including in the libertarian candidate race now uh, all these guys are are you know they're lawyers and authors and doctors and they're not blue collar working class middle class people and i and i am and um that just is always going to separate me it's going to stay at the tip of the of the campaign it's i'm going to let people know like i feel you I understand what you're going through because I am feeling the inflation. I got six children. I work every day. I take care of my family. <laughs> you know, like I understand what you're going through. I get it. Like, and, and uh, who better to put in this position than somebody who's been through these things that doesn't want to send, you know, billions of dollars to 200 countries every year. That's been through the warfare state and the military industrial complex and doesn't want to continue to, to bolster that. And who doesn't want a guy that's going to bring our troops home to make our country safer when 70% of our troops are abroad. We're not a safe country. No, the other, no. And other places are safe, you know? Definitely. And I appreciate you standing on your principles like that. It's, uh, it's refreshing. It's, it's good to hear. I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't know if you follow Jesse Kelly at all. Uh, I do. Up, yeah, up, absolutely. Up there on and and he, he said something was interesting and I, and I bring this up only because you, you know, self-admittedly, look, I'm not trying to kid anybody. We're not going to win the presidency. Um, and, and Jesse Kelly had a recently said, uh, and he's said this before too, is uh, that, look, the Libertarian Party is exactly the right thing in a perfect society and in our world. Yes, we would we would be just what the Libertarian platform says and stands for. Um, but he also then at the same time says, but, you know, the now it's just not the time and the people just aren't ready. Does that, what do you think of that? I think that that's what they say every four years and I'm sick of hearing it. Okay. Um, okay. And, and here's the thing, like, you know, people call you a joke candidate or they say you're not a serious candidate. If you're going to run for the libertarian party, I, I argue that I am the most serious candidate because I'm the one guy that's running this year that will actually do the things I said I'm going to do. We watch these politicians. Look, look, I went through the Reagan era. Okay. I went through, uh, Me too. Obama. I grew up there. Yeah. I went through both bushes. Um, and my life isn't enriched. I don't know how anybody can look at any of these politicians on the right or left and say, yeah, our lives are better today than they've ever been. They're not, you know, and, and like I said, Trump did some good things. He also had the most attacks on the second amendment uh, next to Ronald Reagan, both Republicans, right? Like, like the, these things are not helping us anymore. And, and, and we only get Liberty when we go and take it. That's it. And, and the, and the fact of the matter is we haven't gone and taken it. And we continue to say, this is the most imp important election of our lifetimes. And if we don't win every this one, cycle, everything's over. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. These people, first of all, we're their tax cattle. Okay. They can't operate without our tax money. So they're going to continue to, to pay lip service to all these things that they're never going to do so that they can get you to vote for them. So they continue to steal from you to bolster their pet projects around the world. Like when is the time? You know, like when is the time that we finally say, okay, we're done voting for these guys. They continue to destroy our lives. They continue to make everything harder on us. It's getting, you know, 12% of the population in the United States today is having a problem putting food on the table. The middle class is disappearing at an exponential rate, you yeah. know, and, and, and what happens when the middle class disappears? We're Venezuela. Yeah. No we're tax dollars. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're taking, we're taking uh, our bags of money with, in barrels, okay? And we're going down to this grocery store to spend all of those dollars on one loaf of bread. That's what happens when we get rid of the middle class. And let me tell you, the Republicans and Democrats, they don't care about the middle class. They don't care at all. As long as they're able to continue to fund these projects around the world, they don't care. And, and, and I'm just, I'm sick of hearing that, that I'm not a serious candidate and it's the most important election and it's not the right time. It's like, when is the right time? 
And I said mm-hmm. this the other day on my show with my co-host, you know, when we were talking about political violence and January 6th and these things that, you know, these people shouldn't be in jail for. And he was like, well, it's just not the right time. I said, when is the right time? How many rights have to be trampled in America before we say, you know what? No more. How yeah, many? T- okay. How many? You know? Yeah, and no doubt, what, man. You I'm brought at. up J- you brought up J6. I mean, that that's oh, that's a hot button for me. But um, and, and, and I think we're going to go there. Let's let's uh, start to look at some topics. And um, I think that that's a good explanation. For, you know, I don't I, I probably know more about Libertarian Party now than I did 15 minutes ago. And I thank you for that. Yeah, um, nice, the we're going to cover, of course, what's going on in the Middle East today. We're, we're going to talk about that. And but man, I've been talking about it for two days and I'd really just like to get onto some other topics first. Um, I know you're a huge proponent of individual choice and freedoms. And, you know, a few years back, and we were hit with one of the biggest scams in PSYOPs in history with COVID and specifically the response to it, not just by the United States, but by the entire freaking world, right? And, and I know you have some strong feelings on this. And so it, it's incredible how many people voluntarily and willingly surrender their freedoms and their liberties just because they were told to is that that's nuts right yeah it's it's huge and and you know they've been working on this for a long time it's been their goal forever right like um at least for the last i don't know five or six decades they've been pushing and pushing and pushing you know we i just saw a really funny thing today that said what's a really weird thing that happens in american culture and it says every 20 years or so they release documents saying yes we did that thing that we told you we didn't do and what are you (laughs) going to do about conspiracy theorists that are out there (laughs) you know operation operation northwoods and the uss cole and and all this stuff you know even even the, the they told us the cia killed jfk and we were all just like, oh, look, aliens, you know, like yeah. how how many more times are we going to do this? It's getting tiresome, you know, just and, human uh, human nature, I guess. I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, they, they close parks. I remember going down to the beach when they first I'm in Washington state, man. And, and our governor is a complete commie. And I he used totally, to live. Hey, Ensley sucks. I used to live in Washington, too. I lived in. OK, Washington for OK. Six years, so. So, so, yeah, he does suck, man. And, and he's not running again. Now we have his puppet master Ferguson running. Uh, Jay Ensley, I think, is just stupid, which makes him dangerous. But Ferguson is not stupid, which makes him even more dangerous. And, and that's a whole nother top. He is evil incarnate. Um, but I remember going down to the beach with my dogs. Or at that time, I just had one dog, and we went down to the beach that we normally go to, and it's completely deserted. The gates are closed. It's locked. People are parking up on the streets and going down to the beach, and I'm going, that's when I really hit me. This was like two or three days after they locked us down in Washington, and that's when it really hit me that this is not, this is not about a, a disease. This is about control. Why can't I go outside to a park and breathe fresh air and exercise, right? Right. Well, I, and I'll I mean, tell you this. I, I live in Iowa now, and I moved here March of 2020. And okay. I was in San Francisco, the San Francisco Bay Area is where uh, I'm from, born and raised. Um, and I had moved back there from Washington State uh, in 2018-ish. Um, and I had spent a couple years there. And I, I was running for chairman of the National Party in 2020. And I had all these events all over the country booked. I had all my airline tickets, all this stuff. And um, I had come out here to, to Iowa to be a keynote speaker at a convention. And uh, I met my, my now wife here. Um, and, and then two weeks later, I went to, uh, I was keynote speaker at, um, in Peoria, Illinois. And I 
flew home and essentially they were locking everything down or getting ready to start locking everything right. down. This was March 14th or 15th of 2020. Um, and I had a sniffles and a little bit of cough and I worked for nursing homes at the time. I, and, uh, I called and was like, yeah, I got a little cough and a, and a, and a sneeze, you know? And they're like, well, you can't come to work until you get a, a, a test. And essentially when I called the health, the health places, they said, oh, we're not testing anyone. You need, they're, they're only doing uh, 500 tests a day in the entire state. And you have to basically be dying. And I, so I called my work back and I'm like, look, I can't get a test. They're like, well, you can't come back to work. I was like, ever? And they're like, until you get a test. And I said, well, they're not going to test me. So you're going to have to find a new uh, facilities director. I'm sorry, I'm out. And I called my, my, my now wife and said, hey, I'm going to come back to Iowa for two weeks to slow the spread. Um, and, uh, yeah. and then I'll go, and then I'll come back to California and I flew out here and never left. And now we have, we'll have our third child together in, in December. We got six in the house. Um, and we got cussing my oldest daughter back in, uh, in 2020, October and helped her get, get together and become an adult. And she's got two kids and we're helping her with that. And, um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it was, it, I, I called it right away. And if you look at my Twitter feed, if you, if you go mm -hmm. and search COVID on my Twitter feed, April of 2020, I said, this is not going to help anyone. It's going to kill more people. Exactly. Than, than because the, than the disease at first we didn't know. I mean, it, it was kind of like, Oh, I think everybody, you know, I, I would say probably you and I included at, at the very beginning, we're like, okay, what is this? What's going on? Um, you know, you mentioned having to get tested for work and you called in and let them know you were sick. And, uh, but it became evident very quickly that it was, um, about much more than just a disease and, and especially the, the reaction to it and what was going on. And of course, uh, Fauci had to come in one of, one of the things that really bothers me about Trump and I'm a Trump supporter and, um, and that's likely who I will support going into the, to the presidential election in, next year. But, um, his, one of his biggest mistakes man was trusting these 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 people the, these frauds like fauci to give him advice on health policy and he goes around bragging about the vaccine he goes about bragging about oh you know i did operation warp speed man you know what dude that was not a good thing that was a bad thing and Terrible. you have um rand paul of course have been doing a lot of work exposing uh fauci for the fraud and the liar that he is in fact uh, just recently he, he uncovered some pretty damning emails. And so uh, I'm going to play a clip here. Let's watch this and then we'll comment on it. That Anthony Fauci lied in hearings to me, which is a felony, punishable up to five years. We now have emails that show him saying that he knew it was gain of function, that the virus looked manipulated, and that he was worried that this came from the Wuhan lab. February 1st of 2020. And then he spent the last three years saying nothing to see here. We also know that there was a safety committee that should have reviewed this, and we know that Anthony Fauci went around the safety committee. The safety committee set up in place to make sure this wouldn't happen, never saw the Wuhan funding because Anthony Fauci allowed the funding to go around the safety committee. This is a bombshell revelation, and this will eventually bring down Anthony Fauci. So there we have it. I mean, that, that uh, this guy is a scum, man. He's been, he's been, scamming the system and scamming the public for his his entire life right for decades and so um, i knew i knew about anthony fauci from the aids epidemic okay yeah and yeah and anybody who knows anything about the aids epidemic knows that anthony fauci is a corrupt terrible person that killed thousands and thousands of people by pushing azt on them uh knowing that it was not helping their their hiv and and aids um and and he had stock in azt okay so like 
So like if you can look, I mean, just go watch the movie Dallas Buyers Club. Okay. They had to, they they were literally having to go down and come back and hide like therapeutics for HIV from from the the customs because because AZT was killing people. And yeah. Anthony Fauci was behind all of that. He was part of the AIDS task force. He had stock in AZT. He was pushing AZT as the, the, the therapeutic for AIDS, and it killed thousands of people. How he was still a bureaucrat, unelected bureaucrat in this, in this government is beyond me. I mean, it's not really beyond me. I know that these people fail upwards. Like, that's what we do in America. We fail upwards in government. Um, but this this guy is terrible, evil person. And here, as soon as his name was announced <laughs> as the head of the, the 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 task force on COVID, I was like, "Oh no, this is not right." And I already was skeptical when it was just in China. When we were already saying it wasn't here, when we were saying it wasn't here in the United States yet, I was already skeptical of it. I already I already knew that the government was anybody who's watched the Patriot Act or any of these other war bills, the AUMF, uh. all these things. Anybody who's Googled the the, the 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 Afghanistan papers and found out they lied us into a twenty year war in the Middle East. Anybody who's read anything about the federal government in the United States should have known better. But we don't all have that opportunity, I guess. But I knew as soon as I saw Fauci up there, this was going to be bad. And this is in 2020, in the beginning yeah. of 2020. And, you know, I have a, I've made it a very solid platform plank of this campaign that should you guys be crazy enough to put me in the White House, I will immediately start an investigation into Fauci, the Safer Task Force, uh, Pfizer, basically any governor that locked down their state, especially Michigan's governor who made it illegal for you to go and buy seeds to plant in your backyard. Uh, um, unbelievable. Yeah, Whitmer has got to go, and it, and I I've I've said that we will use Guantanamo Bay for the COVID tyrants. Um, that's you know, and that's kind of tongue in cheek. Of course, libertarians want to close down Guantanamo Bay. We don't believe yeah. in torture without due process, all this stuff. But hey, man, if it's just going to be sitting there rotten, you know, at least we can use it for a little bit until we get it shut down because these people deserve. I mean, if they're found guilty of crimes against humanity, which I'm sure they can be, I'm sure they can be. Dude, definitely. Uh, they need to go away for a long time. And that's the moderate position. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you brought up unelected bureaucrats, and um, which actually is a great segue into what I wanted to talk about next. And that is um, a lot of what uh, Rand Paul and his father talk about, uh, that, and it's becoming more and more tied together. And that is the Federal Reserve uh, in general. And then what we see now is the push for a central bank digital currency. Um, oh. You've, I mean, that that's scary as hell. And you, you've talked about abolishing the Fed entirely. Um, I, I know that's not, you know, from other discussions, you know, we can't necessarily do that, but right. there are certainly things we can do to change it. And one of them, I think, would be having uh, Rand Paul in charge of it. But um, I know you have a lot to say about both of these things, and that's the Fed and the, and the digital currency. And so I'm just going to pass it off to you and let you go. Sure. Well, here, here, let me explain the Fed for people that don't understand the Fed. The, the Fed is a giant counterfeiting machine that steals from us through a tax called inflation. And it's so boring to talk about. They've, they purposely made the central banking system in the United States so boring to talk about so that people don't care. You know, you got your credit card, you got your money in your bank, you don't care where, where you know, people don't care. And, and meanwhile, they can just continue to rob us blind through inflation. Um, it's, it's, you know, it never should have been chartered in the United States. Uh, the, the, the central bank system is not a freedom uh, forward movement of banks. That's not how that works. Um, it's to control your money centrally forever. 
Um, now, the, the big issue with any libertarian, so we get on this this bumper sticker slogan of libertarian candidates, right, where they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to abolish the ATF, and we're going to abolish the Fed, and we're going to abolish the FBI, and the CIA, and the IRS, <laughs> and, and it's like, that's really cool. I would like those things abolished, too. Most of them don't serve a purpose in the United States anymore, but I can tell you this. The president of the United States of America, most of these things that we're listing off, does not have the power to abolish those things. Okay, they're an act of Congress because they are signed into law, actual law. They're not just an act. They're not just an edict from the AT ATF like a lot of these gun regulations. They are actually a law that has to be taken out by by Congress. So, what I would do as president with the Federal Reserve specifically is I would nominate the chairman because you get to nominate the Fed chair as the presidential yep. uh, candidate or the presidential elect. So we would nominate Ron Paul as my first choice. I want Ron Paul to have the, his last hoorah in life. Wouldn't that be, be cool? Be that he goes in there, <laughs> Ron Paul and his bat, walk into the Federal Reserve and go, you're all fired. We're getting rid of this thing. Get out. Like, and, and they can do that. The chair has the opportunity to do a lot of these things, even some unilateral things. Not much there. They also have to have a board that's, that makes these uh, policy decisions. But I think that having him in the building will give them enough you know, leeway to say, okay, maybe this stuff needs to at least get rolled back. The CBDCs are an absolute atrocious, terrible thing. You have got to oppose these on every single level possible. Look, the government's already – PayPal's already able to shut down your PayPal for wrong thing, okay? I, I won't Canada, use them. I won't use Venmo either yes, because of that. Yes. Yeah. Canada, Canada has literally just come out and said that they're shutting down millions of bank accounts. Bank accounts. I'm not, I'm not saying uh, apps where you can send and receive money. I'm talking about real bank accounts where people store their money that they work for. Canada will shut you down for wrong thing. What do you think Americans are headed towards? And what do you think happens when we get CBDCs and the government has complete digital control over every single aspect of your money? No, well, I know what I know Say what no. getting my uh, social media is getting shut down is like because it happens often yeah, because of the too. content that I cover. Now yeah. <laughs> then my bank gets shut down. My access to money gets shut down because yes. they don't. They, they decided that spreading misinformation by their definition, well, right? Let, let me give you a thing here, okay? And some people don't agree with me, and I'm, f I'm fine with that. You're not, we're not going to agree on 100% of things. but No, no. Uh, that when it comes to the central banking system in the United States, it's not about if it's going to fail. It's about when. It's going to fail. It's completely unsustainable what's been going on with the central bank system in the United States for decades. Um, they've used it to prop up warfare around the, around the world, the, 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 the national debt. I mean, all these terrible things are going to come to a head, and it's going to crash the system. It's going to happen. And, and if you're not ready for that, anybody yeah. in America that's not ready for that is going to feel the pain. It's going to be a lot of blood because we have predicated this entire society on this central banking system, right? So my suggestion is find other ways to invest your money now, whether you're a precious metal guy, which, hey, I'm totally all for gold and silver. I think it's great. Or you're a Bitcoin guy. Please yep. don't mess around with these altcoins. They are not going to be the digital currency for you when the banking system fails. They're just out to make their money. Bitcoin has the framework and has used this framework for years now. Yep. And if we have something out there that has a framework that can save your money already, use it. Because when the central banking system fails, we're all screwed. Um, so I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. I, I have all of my investments are going to Bitcoin. And, and when, you know, when the central banking system fails, I'm going to be able to use these to make payments for anything that I need. And uh, it's really important that we don't just look at it as, a, as an investment, but we look at it as a currency that we can use to, to pay for things. And I think that that, you know, that 
mentality is starting to come around mass adoption oh, you're seeing it more and more place. i mean I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to pay for things with crypto more and more and it's, oh yeah uh, yeah i got a buddy who pays rent and in, in bitcoin every month right now uh and and you know you know 10 years ago that was crazy to think about you know people people bought a pizza and thought it was crazy now you see bitcoin <laughs> atm machines and all kinds of stuff yeah. and people are making their little you know their little fees off of it now which you know that's what really sustains the, the, the monetary system is little fees everywhere right yeah um, but it's not controlled by the government this is a this is a, a oh they a, hate a, it they hate this it is a digital currency that circumvents the federal government why are you not taking place in this right now right now yeah Look yeah. at how the, fe the federal government has treated our monetary system in the United States. Why are you not opting out? What's taking yeah, so I mean, long? Yeah, it, it, I mean, cause it, also, you know, the other thing we're propped up by, of course, is the petrodollar. And we have a administration in place right now that is at war with with the energy industry in this in this country, which is, of course, fueled the war in, in Ukraine with Russia. And right. we're, we're playing both sides of the coin there. And we're going to get to that for sure. Um, but before we do, before we go into the war mode, because man, war mode, there's a lot to be said about it, but it's also kind of, it's intense, you know, and, it, and it's serious stuff. And, um, so before we get there, how about, um, education, uh, oh. you're running for president, the, the state of the public schools is, is, is not, it's not, we are not co-parents with the public school system. Okay. This is a state entity and they are not a co-parent with my kids, although they like to act as if they are, um, they encourage kids to be, you know, transitioned from their born gender. You're a family, man. You have six kids for crying out loud. So I'm sure that the education in this country is an important topic for you. Um, some States, uh, mine included, uh, it basically turned into an industry where it starts at the school level, you know, the public schools where they talk to a school counselor and then the school counselor refers them to an outside counselor. The outside counselor refers them to a clinic, a gender transition clinic. The gender transition clinic tells the parents, man, would you rather have a dead son or a living transitioned girl? And in our state, it, it's terrorism completely. And in, in, in our state, they can literally take your child. If your child, if you don't affirm your child's choice of gender, they can literally run away, go to a state shelter, and not only will they not tell you where they are, they're required by law to not tell you where they are. So you have parents that are are sick to death, worried to death. Where's my kid? And are they safe? And you can't get the information because the state has now taken custody of them. And not only that, they're going to help them transition too. Sure. Well, here's here's there's a couple solutions to this, right? And I think first first of all, the Department of, Tra of Education in the United States is absolutely wildly out of control. They're Jimmy Carter, get rid of it, right? Yeah, since the '70s, with, with the institution of the Department of Education, uh, the spending has t quadrupled, minimum quadrupled. Test scores around the country have not uh, raised at all. Uh, in fact, they've they've lowered. Um, and and we're learning every day that students are not standardized, right? And so we standardized education, public education across the board, all across the country, and it's got to stop right away. Um, and, you know, pulling those, those federal funding dollars from schools who decide that they have the ultimate authority to teach children gender ideology is a good start too. Um, I mm -hmm. don't think that kids should be taught gender ideology at, at six and seven years old. I think that's a, you know, we're pushing kids towards this thing. And, and there's a whole nother aspect of this when it comes to the health, the mental health care field as well. Yeah, and this, yeah. it's tr trendy for profit gender uh, reassignment stuff. Um, and it's, it's terrible. And as a libertarian, you know, there's a lot of libertarians out there that are mad at me for saying some of these things. I don't care. I honestly don't care. Like I, 
I, as a, as a father, which most of these people that are mad at me are degenerates who aren't fathers and don't go to church every Sunday. Right. So I don't care about your opinion when it comes to, to, to my children. But, um, when it comes to the public's children, there are a lot of people that are worried about this stuff. Like it's a big populist issue and it's being, you know, libertarians aren't talking about it enough. Um, and I don't think the Republicans are, are truly talking about it enough. I think there's been a couple of good governors on this. I think I think that Ron DeSantis was really good on this stuff. Even if you're not a Ron DeSantis fan, he was good mm-hmm. on this stuff in Florida. Um, and I think my governor's been really good at it here in Iowa too. Kim Reynolds is amazing. She's I, yeah. I wouldn't want to live in any, any other state over the last four years. I promise you that. Um, but I will say uh, we've got to pull the Department of Education. It's got to go away. And I believe that that was uh, brought to fruition not just by law uh, from Congress. So there is a, there is some things that the president has some control over with the part, at least with the Department of Education. But what we can do, even if we can abolish the Department of Education as a presidential uh, uh, elect, we can get rid of seventy percent of the, the Department of Education's workforce. Uh, we can veto mm-hmm. any spending spending bills from the federal government that, that is supposed to trickle down to these uh, state uh, apparatuses for education. And I'll I'll be more than happy to veto anything for any school that has decided that it, it's got more claim to children than parents do. I have no nice. problem doing that whatsoever. Um, and you know, when when we make these these uh, government agencies so small that they only have time to operate on the things they were built to operate around. Life's going to get much better, and that includes the IRS, that includes the ATF and, and, the, and the CIA and all these other apparatuses too. Um, but here's another thing too. We, we talked a little bit about in, the be- in the beginning about you know, that what my campaign means and what it's for, right? Of course, I want to get 5% in the, in the national election. That's the minimum that we want to get. It changes the political landscape in, in the United States forever. It gives us national major party status. Uh, we get the same ballot access requirements as other people. Now we look like a serious contender. We scare the other politicians into having to – to govern the way that they campaign, which I think is accountable. Really important. Yeah. Accountability. It's very important. We're the shark. I'm the 40 year old blue collar, uh, uh, tradesman circle in the water of the presidential election. Okay. Let's say that that's not going to, it's going to scare some people, especially if we have major party status in 2028. Um, you put me on a debate stage with these people and I'm going to tear them a new one. I promise you. And I've already made a promise that if the American public helps us, uh, poll at 15% in any of the national major polls, cause that's what we need to get into the debates, um, mm-hmm. with the PDC and all this stuff. I promise that I will get a personalized brand new crack pipe made and bring it to Joe Biden on national television. Anyways, that's just a weird promise that I made then at the American public. <laughs> uh, but I will say this. So, so uh, the other very big goal of this campaign is a 50 state national media. <clears throat> tour. Okay. We have to go around and tell people what their rights are. That's the whole goal of the presidential election for the, for the, the libertarians. And one of those things that they never talk about, you know, Gary Johnson didn't talk about these things. Boring grandma Joe didn't talk about these things is nullification. The 10th Amendment gives us the right at a state and even local level to nullify laws from edicts that aren't constitutional from these other these other apparatuses. So I want to let people know that you have the opportunity to go take your local guns, right? You can take over the, in most states have uh, elected and counties have elected sheriffs. You can take those positions. You can run for those positions. I want 30 people yeah. running for one sheriff's position. You can take over your local school board. And you can yeah. totally, you can school totally, board positions yeah. huge, huge, it's and you don't even have to have huge. kids in the system to do it. Nope, county supervisor. You can do county supervisor positions. So I want to go around and tell people about the the wondrous uh, idea of nullification that the founders of this country instilled into our absolute Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. Okay. Yeah. Like they they talked about how important it was for these localities and these states to have independence. It was very, very, very important to them. Because they knew that the federalist system of, of Britain and the, the monarchy of Britain 
could edict anything they wanted to the people yeah. and they had to go along with it and they did and they're still that. doing it by the way <laughs> yes and they're still doing it today exactly look what they're and doing so to like, x i mean yeah, they're, they're going yeah. after elon musk now for allowing misinformation on on x of, of about hamas and the atrocities that are going on over there and he's like um okay what specific posts are are, are not are not true uh, right tell me right here in a public forum so that we're transparent and of course they're not doing anything you mentioned getting rid of 75 percent of some of these institutions it's that interesting you use that number 70, yeah yeah it's interesting you use that number um i, I know and, and we can use uh there are a lot of commonalities between their you know the different uh, factions whether it's libertarian or america first or gop there are also uh some differences as you've pointed out but one of the the things, and I know Vivek is is not, he, I'm I'm Vivek kind of a Vivek, Vivek fan only be, because he won't I, be on your ballot. He won't be. On no, your ballot. but I like the way that he's bringing things to the front, especially for the younger generation. I like sure. I like what he's doing with it. I don't agree with everything, um, but one of the things he brought up was ex was exactly that. Look, we can get rid of a huge percentage of the bureaucracy, just like that, just. Just lay them off. And, and, well, what about all these people out of work? Oh, fine. Go find a real job, right? Where do they go? <laughs> who cares? Yeah, you who know, cares? These people, been, these people have been getting a paycheck off from my taxes to oppress me for generations. So, like, why? Yeah. Do I, I don't care. I don't care. No, I don't care either. I don't care either. But anyway. um, shouldn't even so, be allowed to vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go vote. Um, yeah. So, let's talk um, about family values a little bit you're a huge family man you six kids man i don't know how you do it i, I had we had seven. five my oldest seven out yeah we had five between uh my wife and i uh, a combined family and they're all gone now our our youngest is what is she 20 i think she just turned 27 it might be 28 i'm getting old but uh the the bigger picture of it of, of what's happening with crime and homelessness. And I think the breakdown of society in general is the destruction of the nuclear family. And, and it's, it, this has not been done. This didn't just happen. I, I really think that we're looking at chaos by design, that there is a, a intentional uh, movement by those in power to uh, destroy and, and discourage a nuclear family, a mother and a father, several children owning property and going about our lives and becoming whatever success we decide that we want to become. And that's contributing, I think, massively to, to crime and homelessness. Yet we keep wanting to address the crime and ho homelessness without addressing the root cause right. thoughts. Yeah. So, so I'm making the, the, the nuclear family, a, a central tenet of this campaign. It's very, very important. Um, and there's undeniable stats that prove the destruction of the, of the nuclear family in the United States ha has caused uh, mass violence, uh, mass shootings, uh, homeless and, and runaway youth, uh, high school and college dropouts. Um, and these stats are undeniable. So, so the, the way that this works, first of all, let me preface this with Yuri Bezmenov came over from Russia and, and warned us of all of these things. He yes. told us, he told us the communist playbook. He said, they're already in your institutions. They're going to be taken over your government. They're doing it now. And since the seventies, we've seen it happen. Um, anybody that's denying that the communists are taking over our, our government is lying to themselves. 
I'm sorry. It's true. Look at the squad. Look at these people who they are. They're democratic socialists of America. Um, you know, for, 40, 40 years ago, they were infiltrating your school board meetings and your uh, Boy Scouts meetings. And now they're infiltrating the largest government of the greatest empire on earth of all time. Okay. Yep. Um, and we were warned about this stuff. You were warned and you're still being warned. McCarthy warned you about this stuff. Maybe his, his, his outcomes weren't right, but he, he warned you about this stuff too. Um, and it was all true. And we're seeing the fruits of their labor today. Um, but one of the most important things in this entire country and, and one of the biggest causes of this stuff is never talked about um, because it's part of this act, this act, right? That everybody feels like they have to rely on to survive, especially in their old age, the Social Security Act, right? Um, and Social Security to us, when we hear the term Social Security, we automatically think like, oh yeah, Social Security, that's what we're gonna get when we're older. No, you're not. If you're my age at 40 years old, I'm sorry, Social Security is no longer available for you. I promise you that. Um, yeah. You're going to be working until you're 90 unless you have your own personal retirement benefits now. Um, and, and I'm not going to sugarcoat that. That's where we're headed. Uh, but I will tell you that there's other titles in the Social Security Act of things that have attributed to destroying the uh, nuclear family. The biggest part of that is Title 4D, which automatically incentivized every state across the country to split up families and treat one parent as a visitor in their child's life. Now, you tell me, as a parent, have you ever been a visitor in your child's life? Do you ever think of yourself as a visitor in your child's life? No, no I'm a baseball coach. I mean, I, I've yeah. done, I, I, I'm with them all the way. So, like, so like we've, we've made it much easier for families to split apart and be dependent on the government. Um, and essentially what this does is for every 66 cents that the state government spends on uh, child support and welfare programs, the federal government gives them a dollar back. We're paying the states to split apart families, okay? We're uh, 97.2% of, of these situations in family court, the father is dragged through the mud. He's got to yeah. pay exorbitant amount of child support, so now he's got to support himself, his own home, and his ex's home, okay? They're, all of the responsibility, all of the dual shared responsibility, equal parenting time, all of that stuff out the window entirely because they have to drag a, a parent through the mud to make sure that they receive the funds that they want. Now, when you fall on hard times as a parent, you're automatically criminalized. You're, you can go to jail for these things, yes. which, gives, which gives the government even more money. So like, it's all been predicated off, we have to make this money to continue these programs, but also to pay uh, district judges salaries and stuff like that. That's what they use this money for. So they're taking an incentive from the federal government to split apart families. And this was signed into law um, by, uh, or signed, this was signed by Gerald Ford in 1975. And if you look at the stats since 1975 of fatherless homes, we went from one in 30 homes was a fatherless home to one in four. Wow. One in four. Now you cannot look me in the eye. I don't care who you are and tell me that we have a one in four dads are bad problem. Okay. I know dads. I know dads all over the country. We don't have one in four bad dads. We probably have more, some more closely aligned to something like one in 80 bad dads or one in a hundred bad dads, not one in four, one in four dads is being dragged through a process that was created to juice them for money for the state. And it's destroying their lives. It's one of the highest suicide rates in the country is dads that can't see their, their kids every day. Um, and we've, we've basically told mothers, and in some very, very rare instances, fathers that, you know, get full custody, that, that they, uh, 
they are the only ones that have custodial rights over their children and that the other parent is a visitor and can only see them every other Saturday and Sunday and must pay all the money to pay for his everything. And so like we've destroyed the family unit and it was part of the communist infiltration in the United States in the seventies. I mean, they've been pushing to ruin religion and, and, uh, and the nuclear family and money and all these things for years. And look what's happening. Yes. You know, it's the long game, right? Yeah. They told us they were going to do these things. We were warned yeah. about them doing things. Are you looking at today's society and going, nah, they never did that. You're wrong. They wrote, You're they wrong. wrote books. They wrote books about it. I mean, whole books. <laughs> And you and it's and it's happening. It's come to fruition, and the, they play the long game. That's you know, I mean, China. That's what they do. They're playing the long game. They're not. Oh yeah. They're they're not messing around, and they're they are doing things right now uh, to position themselves to be the dominant power in the world. It, it's um, w- which kind of brings me to current events. By the way, uh, we have. I mean, we're. Do you have time to to go over? I know we initially talked about sixty minutes. Yeah, we can go over, man. That's totally cool. Man. I mean, I've, we have a few things to cover yet, I think, and because there there are some current events happening um, that that everybody's talking about, you can't miss it, and that's that's war, and it doesn't matter whether it's war in Ukraine or whether it's war now in in excuse me in Israel. Um, there's significant conflicts are in different regions. I wouldn't be surprised to see war in in Taiwan in the not too distant future. I, I don't I hope that doesn't happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Um, it seems like the United States has never found a war that it didn't like. We have been in war for my entire life, and and I'm 55. Over, and over it goes years. way back. Over it goes way years. further back than that. We have been involved in one conflict after another, after another, after another. And people need to look up what the word neocon actually means before they start throwing it around. Also, the military-industrial complex. And and what is going on there? And we continue to fund both sides of of these wars. And this really frustrates me that people can't see this. I think I'm pretty sure you see it. I mean, we're funding uh, Russia with with increased energy costs, and they're selling their oil for more money because of what the Biden regime has done. While at the same time providing Ukraine arms and 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 U.S. taxpayer treasure. The Palestinians were giving aid to them directly and indirectly through Iran, while at the same time providing Israel with weapons and more U.S. treasure. This is insanity, dude, right? Yeah, we, we love this, man. Our biggest export in the United States God. is war. It's, it's, it's the, the biggest export we have. Like, legitimately, you know, people talk, point at all these other economic factors. It's the biggest export we have. That nothing makes this country, and not just this country, but the, the people at the top, more money than another war so of course they want this thing and you know we're watching hamas run around these videos with m4s where they get m4s at man it's a 25 Ukraine. mile stretch of la- yeah it's a 25 mile stretch of land that's five miles wide and they're not allowed to leave and they're completely monitored by by the idf every single day like how did they get m4s man cia tell me how they got m4s because they didn't just well, we find them in the, in the sand man i'll tell you that much and <laughs> and i'll tell you this like this this whole israel and palestine thing is like everybody's taken aside and everyone's a, a foreign policy expert now and like they know that you know well hamas is using children as 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 human shields and and then the other side's like well israel's this and that it's like listen man this holy war has been going on for a long time for a long time and israel has not been much better or even Israel, the government of Israel has been no better than Palestine. Maybe better than Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization. And yeah, they're, they're animals. They're, they're, yeah. They're, that's a, Lindsey Graham came out today and said, uh, what did he say? He said, 
we, and he used the term we, and I'm like, you, you piece of shit. You don't represent me. He, yeah. he, he said, he said, we are in a, we are in a religious war. And I'm like going, no, we are not in a religious war. No. They are in a religious war. Those guys are in a religious war. We're yeah, not. not me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, so Hamas is terrible. They're, they're a terrorist organization. They're horrible. You know, like they, maybe they need to go, they need to go. Uh, but we can't, can, we can't condone killing babies. And I'm watching, you know, we keep talking about all these babies that have died in this war in Israel, but I'll, every video online is of a Palestinian baby coming out of rebel dead. And I can't take it anymore. Like it's breaking my heart, man. And, and, uh, and so like, so like, Mossad is not any better. They've killed a bunch of children and innocent people, and they've been doing it for years and years and years and years. And that's coming from a guy whose dad's side of the family's Israeli born. Okay. I'm telling you, like, these are not good sides of a war. There is no good side in a war that kills babies. There's no good yeah. side. And, and I don't know so how like, you. So, what's the. What's the. The, Listen, um, Israel Israel has little brother syndrome, okay? They know that no matter what happens, America got their back, right? And so, like, we've got to tell them, like, we don't have your back anymore. There's no more having your back if you're going to continue to do these atrocities to a group of people that just want to live their lives and, and vice versa to Iran or anybody else that wants our money, right? Like, we're sending over $60 billion to 200 countries every year, and a large chunk of that is to Israel. Okay, and so we've got to immediately cut off the 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 foreign welfare uh, parasites. Well, no foreign aid. Period. I mean, yes, done. Uh, it's over. The, the people of America are struggling today. It's it's done. We're not helping you out anymore. Unless, and we'll, we'll take we'll take a year off. Okay, and then we'll start talking about diplomatic trade agreements that benefit Americans only. We're yeah. not going to send you money anymore for something that doesn't benefit the American public. Sorry. And guess what? I just cut the income tax anyways. So you're going to have to take a cut no matter what, you know? And that's, and that's where I want to, that's where I want this country to go because we've got to worry about Americans first. And that's why when I say I'm the American first candidate, I'm the only one, I'm the only one that would cut all foreign aid. I'm the only one that would, that, that would end these wars that we're a part of all around the world. I'm the only one that would start cutting military bases in the 170 countries that we have them in. I'm the only one that would stop poking our finger in Russia's chest and China's chest and Iran's chest. I'm the only one that's not going to make them continue to build bricks in a way that destroys our economy. Like, I'm the only one that's going to do that. And, and you know, I'm probably not going to get in office, but we have the opportunity to let the American government know that we're a movement of people by just going down the ballot box and, and yeah. casting a simple vote. That's not like something you've done for the last, I don't know, 200 years. And right? then they call and they call that isolation, you know, being an isolationist or whatever. No. And no. But it's, it, you can still project strength, I think, without having – Without financing these wars, without having bases all over the world, and without having the foreign aid that, that that pits people against each other, we can still sit back here and be. You know what? We have we have terrorists coming across our southern border right now. You want to talk about protecting America? Going sending weapons to Ukraine is not protecting America. Sending weapons to Israel is not protecting America. Okay. What we have right now is an invasion happening at our southern border, and what you see happening in Israel could happen right here in American streets. You think mass shooters, you know, one kid with a semi-automatic rifle going into a school is bad? Imagine an entire platoon of trained terrorists with fully automatic weapons coming into a city of the United States. In, in, in force. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, listen, uh, 
before you go on, 91% of mass shooters in America are from fatherless homes, by the way. That's a uh, un- yep. undeniable stat. 91% of mass shooters, fatherless homes. Um, yeah, I agree. And and we, you know, you, you brought up China a little bit, how they want to have this to be the biggest superpower in the in the world. And I think that that's all for show. That's one place that I divulge from uh, uh diverge from some of the other Republicans and, and GOP huh? people. Is sure I, I China's economy is not what they project at no. all. No, they're they're an absolute uh deck uh, uh house of cards. There's hundreds of millions of people in china living in abject poverty today because they continue to spend all this money on a a railway that goes to nowhere uh entire cities that are completely abandoned and no one lives in um it's 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 they're what they're doing is trying to get five percent more influence in the pacific that's it and this whole taiwan issue is 100 percent a tripwire for war with china that's all it is um we yeah. already make 12 per today right now today we make 12 percent of the semiconductors in the entire world in america right now amd could overnight take over another 10 percent they need to we 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 Right now, we mine cobalt and silica more than enough that, to, to make these things. In, in Oregon, in Portland, Oregon, at Celestica that I used to work at, it's a huge manufacturing facility that builds the robots that make semiconductors, okay? We ship those overseas, and they make them over there. There is no reason whatsoever that we can't be making those things here in the United States. And from a blue-collar working-class guy that's worked in these industries, you're never going to convince me that we can't, okay? I work in data now. I work in in uh, in critical facilities now. I know that we can do these things, and it would take less than a year to be making seventy five percent of the world's uh, uh, semiconductors. Would it be a little more expensive? Yeah, for sure. We're America, dude. That's why we're the best. Stuff's a little you- more expensive here, but yeah. like, don't tell me that we have to go to war with Ta- with with China over Taiwan. We you know, and, and it's such a hypocritical thing, right? Because we're telling we're telling Russia today, like, no, you're not allowed to have your rogue province back. Ukraine gets to keep it, even though they're, you know, maybe, I don't know that they're, you never, when it comes to war, you, you don't believe anything you're told and only half of what you see. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of truths, a lot of falsehoods. Yeah. Yeah. The Donbass is, is, uh, uh, ethnically Russian and they want to be a part of Russia and we're telling Russia they can't have them back. Meanwhile, we're telling China, they can't have their rogue province back. Right. Or, 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 uh, or we'll go to war with them, but no, uh, Ukraine gets to keep their, their rogue province. Uh, that's you know ethnically russian and wants to be a part of of, of russia and uh meanwhile china cannot take their rogue province back like who's who gave us the right or authority to tell china how to govern their land i does didn't. it nobody, does gave, it seem, nobody gave it to me does it seem to you that um that you know that the powers that be uh I, I think a lot of this is by design i think it's being orchestrated uh, i think the problem is with wars it's unpredictable and sure. you can't you don't know where it's going to go or how it's going to explode once you kick it off and all of their plans. I mean, I, I've, you know, I, I've told you, I grew up in the eighties, I, uh, you know, with Reagan and he ended the cold war. He ended what was the nuclear threat to the United States. I've never lived in fear of a nuclear war in my life, right. but I have to tell you, What's going on around the world right now, and I'm not promoting it, absolutely not. I mean, I don't think, I think war is a bad thing. We're on the same page. But things could, if things spin out of control, they could go south and they go south very quickly. Um, and, and so 
when we're when we're looking at supporting these, I mean, we need to stay out of it. I mean, we cannot Entirely. get involved in these wars directly. If we do, it's done. If if we if we put boots on the ground or we have our, our strike aircraft carrier groups start lobbing bombs into Gaza, it's World War. World it's War. World War period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And let me explain. Let me let me give you some 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 military strategy here. Okay. We've just spent the last I don't know how long pushing Russia into the arms of China. That's what we're doing. Actively pushing Russia into the arms of yeah. China. Uh, the BRICS stuff is is blowing up. Um, and we're also pushing our fingers in the chest of China. Okay. These are both nuclear superpowers in the, in the world. Okay. If we go to war with Palestine and back Israel, we're now declaring war on Iran. Yes. Okay. I agree. And we've also been pushing Iran, who did not have a good foreign policy relationship with Russia for very long into the arms of russia now we're talking about iran russia china and a lot of other countries that would support these people that's a world war and it's not a yeah. it's not a it's not a 1940s world war or a 1915 world war or, or 1910s world war okay we're talking about a real live hot scary war with nuclear weapons everywhere by every country that's involved okay we don't want that as americans the American people do not want that. Not only do we not want a, a world and nuclear war, we just don't want any more wars. No. We don't want to fund any more wars. Like, even the people you see on Twitter that have turned into John McCain over the last week, secretly, <laughs> they don't want any more wars, right? They're done with the wars. And so, like, we have to have somebody that's going to go in there and say, we are not taking part in your wars anymore. We're done. No more civil wars around the world. No more de de uh, toppling and destabilization of, of countries in the Middle East. No more pushing our fingers in the chest of China and Russia and Iran. We're done. We have set up. Look, I transited the Straits of Hormuz, okay, uh, on my way to the Persian Gulf when, we, when George Bush declared war in Iraq. And, and you can see the border, the, the, the seaside border of Iran. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and they have Scud missiles. I mean, thousands of Scud missiles pointed at your ship. It's the most butt-clinching time you will ever have uh, on a ship in the, in, in, the, in the Gulf or in the, in the water. Yeah. They don't like us. They do not want us there. And so what did we do as the American foreign policy uh, dictates? We set up bases literally around their entire country. In the 50s, they had a pri uh, democratically elected prime minister, maybe he was a socialist or a communist, not any of my concern. And we went in there with the CIA and ran a coup and had a move taken out so they could reinstall the Shah. Okay. Like this is the stuff that we do as foreign policy people and like weapons of mass destruction. It didn't <laughs> exist. It didn't exist. And we had pilots coming back after dropping their full load of ordnance on Baghdad going, if there was weapons of mass destruction here, they'd be shooting at us. They're not even shooting at us. Okay. Yeah. And, and what they find like, like pits, like buried pits of mustard gas from the eighties the and nineties that was no longer active and wouldn't have worked anyways. And said, Oh yeah, we found our weapons of mass destruction, mustard gas. And like, what? What are you talking so, about? So, so what's the what's the answer? I mean, because you look at you brought up Iraq, of course, and we have Afghanistan. We've spent twenty years in these countries for what? I mean, Iraq is now controlled by Iran, and Afghanistan is back in the hands of the Taliban. So basically, it's right back where it was. Iraq's worse off than it was, Way and worse. and and then Afghanistan is right back where it was before we before we jumped in there after twenty years and. It took them Countless 10 minutes lives. to re retake the entire country. 10 minutes. Death and destruction, all caused by the United States, by the way. It, yes. It's, it's um, 
I mean, after 9-11, sure, we needed some retribution. We we, we could have gone after and got, we got Osama bin Laden. We could have got him 20 years earlier, according to reports that have come out now. We talk about Anywhere you know, how, how things come out and, and then later, oh, you were a conspiracy theory, but 20 years later, you turn out to be right. And um, so, so what's – it's not an easy solution, right? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a uh, 20-year war and trillions of dollars spent to uh, get a guy who's hiding in a cave on kidney dialysis, man. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and look, I, look, I don't want to be the conspiracy guy. I am the conspiracy guy, but I don't want to be the conspiracy guy. I'm tired of being the conspiracy guy that's telling everybody, hey, I was right, right? I'm tired of being um, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, sick, I'm sick of it. I'd rather be wrong. Of all the stuff that I think about all the time, I'd rather be wrong because it's it's it keeps coming true at an astronomical rate, and it's it's driving me nuts that these things are real, right? Um, but look, let's talk about some. Let's talk about Waco, Texas, for thirty seconds here. Okay? Sure, let's go. If you're familiar with Waco at all, I was young. I was very very young when Waco happened. I had no idea what was going on, but they, you know, the the news told us this was a very bad cult, and they were terrible, and they were raping babies and doing all this stuff. It was like this crazy propaganda uh, that got put out. Now, I'm not going to say that David Koresh was a good person. He may have been the worst person in the world. I don't know. Okay, but they were coming up on budget talks for the ATF and FBI. And the way that the government works, the way that the federal government works is when you have these agencies or committees or bureaucracies that are getting money from the federal funds, okay, they give you a budget for the year. And if you don't use all your budget at the next committee meeting, they're probably going to lower your budget. That's how it works. Okay? I'm a contractor. I'm a government yeah. contractor. I know. You understand. So if you yeah. use your whole budget all the way up to the end of the budget and have to ask for more money, it's very likely that the, the committee meetings the next year, they're going to they're going to up your budget. And so the meetings were coming up for the ATF and, and, and I think the FBI, too, at the time. But the ATF was the big the big bad bozo here, in my opinion, in Waco. Mm -hmm. And essentially what happened was they had not spent their whole budget the year before and they were going to lower the ATF budget. Pretty, pretty. It was a pretty sure thing that the ATF budget was going to go down. Um, and so what did the ATF do? They called all these uh, these media outlets around Texas and said, hey, we're going to have this standoff with with, uh, you know, the Branch Davidians, which, by the way, is just like a sect of like a normal religion. It's really not even that crazy of a cult. Um, now, Koresh was obviously had a cult like leader mentality and probably was not a good guy, but. Even the gun running that they said he was doing was totally illegal. He had an FFL in, in Texas. There was nothing illegal that he was doing. Uh, they found no signs whatsoever of, of pedophilia or, or uh, uh, you know, this rape that was being talked about. Um, and they knew that he got, every morning he went out for a run, and they could have just grabbed him right there on the spot. Yeah. Uh, but they needed they needed a show of force to say, hey, we need more money next year. So this whole thing was predicated on a budget. And they called the media in prior to even doing it so that they had the visibility to say, this big, bad cult in America, domestic terrorists, we need more money. And the wars around the world aren't much different. Okay. Yeah. When we start talking about these wars that we've been invested in for, for years and years and years, like Afghanistan and, and Vietnam and uh, Iraq twice, and uh, now Russia and, and China and Iran and Palestine, there's a budget set every year for these things and right now the president can basically just use the aumf open-endedly to say we're going to drone bomb this and do this and do that but they always want more war budget and the military industrial com uh, complex these contractors they definitely want more budget so how do you get that budget up well you got to have a war without a war you can't have this budget right in peacetime the war budget doesn't exist yeah and so like 
anybody who's watching these things that doesn't understand that this 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 is all a you know a money grab around the world for these people is not paying attention to how the federal government in the United States works and how our contractors work and how our agencies work. Like this is all it's all predicated on budgets. Everything that the federal government does is predicated on budgets and these bureaucracies and these agencies and the administrative state and the deep state even and which is, you know, we can get the deep state obviously is oh, these contractors yeah. and that's a whole other show. And, yeah, it's a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> the administrative state and the and, and the deep state and um but like they don't get their money if they don't have these things going on. And yeah. that's what it's all about. And so like, it's always about the money. We have to have a president that's willing to go in there and say, sorry, I don't care about your money anymore. I'm not trying to line my pockets. And now listen, I would appreciate the 16 rooms at the White House because I have a lot of kids. I get it. Okay. But um I don't need to line my pockets with with the taxpayers' money. I think it's immoral. Uh, I think it's unconstitutional, and I think it's evil. And so, like, we need somebody that's going to go in there and do these things. And I will. I am the most serious candidate because I'll actually do the things that I'm saying. You know, one of my one of my policy prescriptions is that we're going to get rid of 70 percent of the ATF, who I hate, by the way. They shouldn't exist. They're unconstitutional. They constantly put out edicts that tell us we can't have our natural rights. Um, so 70 percent of them got to go. Whatever's left that I can get rid of are going to go to maintenance departments and and uh, and uh, mail rooms around the country in smaller localities. And then whatever's left will be so small that they only have time to focus on actual crimes. Right. Same with the yeah. FBI. Go focus on interstate serial killers and child sex trafficking. I don't want to hear yeah, not, anything. Not, not, not pre-dawn raids at, at yeah. veterans in their home who are suffering from PTSD that are you know disabled what the hell is going on with that fbi they show up with an entire swat team to take down one person when they could very you know show force intimidation so that they could they could very easily take down the same person on the way to the grocery store they infiltrate they infiltrated catholic groups and went to school board meetings and told soccer moms that they were domestic terrorists like we've got this the scope is lost here They've grown way too big. The agency's way too big, and we got to get rid of, you know, at least 70% of these people. And then I've, I've promised that once we get the ATF down to as small as possible and we've, you know, transferred these people out of the major uh, headquarters building in, 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 uh, on the East Coast, we're going to bulldoze that building and turn it into a, a memorial dog park for all the dogs lost over the last, I don't know, however long the ATF's yeah. been around. So, but th- th- these are serious things. I know I, I make jokes like that a lot, but some of the stuff's tongue in cheek, but I mean Sometimes it. Sometimes like, you I, have I, to, man. I would actually do yeah. these things. I'm the only candidate running in America today that if you were crazy enough to put me in the White House would do these things. I'm the only one. There's nobody else. Not Trump, not DeSantis, not Vivek, definitely not Joe Biden, definitely not any of the other libertarian candidates, definitely not the Green Party, definitely not uh, uh, JFK or RFK Jr. Let's let's be honest here. Uh, this guy's deep state he's, plan, he's in my pulled, opinion. People are getting fooled by him because he's saying all the centrist talking points. And it, he's, no, he's, he's very a extreme. Have, a lot of people have asked me about RFK Jr. Are you worried that he's going to pull votes from you? I said, no, not at all. I've seen the polls already. He's pulling from Trump and Joe Biden. Yeah. That's who he's, he's pulling about from equally, both Republicans. I think. I, I, he is pulling from you guys more than I ever will. I promise you, because I'm going after the 51% of the population that didn't vote for a president in 2016 and 2022, or 2020. Because yeah. those are my people. Those are the people that are so jaded and fed up they won't join the red or blue gang they're done with those gangs they want they want a guy who's going to actually start put doing away with the things that are hurting their lives those are my people those are what i'm going at if i peel off some republicans and democrats awesome man i'd love to have you guys too i'd love to see you guys look liberty only exists for the people who take it and i'm the guy that's going to go take it and that's it all right well hey that's, let's that's make sure pitch. people know 
know how they can support you and also uh do you have any like uh cool events and stuff coming up around the country i mean this is a national show so people will will hopefully hear it what what do you got going on yeah so uh go to the website joshuasmith2024.com you see at the bottom of the screen there that's uh look there's a lot of different things you can do there okay you can sign up to become a volunteer there's a volunteer web form there we already have a great volunteer team and campaign staff like one of the best i've seen from any campaigns in the libertarian party we're already raising a lot of money we're doing the right things um but we need help with all kinds of stuff social media reposts um you know writing editing video there's all kinds of other stuff that we need help with still so please sign up to become a volunteer there uh you can also listen i know that i know this might shock you but it's very hard to run a national federal campaign without money okay um i am not a rich lawyer doctor like we've talked about before Um, i'm up against the financial juggernauts of the leviathan and the federal government and uh, we can't compete without money so it's it's an important unfortunate part of politics that we need some money uh, so give us any money that you can. The, the the federal maximum, I think, from individual donors is $3,300. So do your best. Help us get there. Um, you can also watch our, all of our media. This this interview as well will be linked on the website. So every interview that we've done is linked on the website for people to see from the original source. We don't steal your source. We, we give you credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then uh, you can check my platform there. Uh, we've got a lot of different platform planks there. A lot of stuff talking about Title uh, 4D, the warfare state, uh, gun, our immediate gun policy. Should we uh, should we get into the White House? Stuff like that. Um, and we are working on a comprehensive healthcare platform. We want it to be super policy based and and smart enough for everybody to listen to, and not just the middle class, um, and uh, and stuff like that. So. Uh, that's a really important part of the campaign. Please go check out the website, see what you can do. You can follow me on Twitter at Joshua at large. I'm, that's where I'm just basically at war with people all the time. Uh, Twitter's fun. It's a war zone though. Uh, and then we'll be in Dallas, uh, Texas on the 16th next Monday uh, for the Texas state fair. So I'll be walking around there. If you want to uh, meet up during the campaigning, please send me a message on Twitter. I'll be more than happy to tell you what part of the fair we're at. Uh, we will be doing an event later on that evening as well, uh, somewhere in downtown Dallas. I'll have the details for that soon. Uh, we'll be in Jacksonville, Florida on the 21st, Syracuse, New York on the uh, on November 10th, and uh, Charleston, South Carolina on November 11th for a uh, quite big debate in the libertarian movement. Um, and then we have a bunch of other stuff that we're working on. I know we're going to be doing an event in uh, Cincinnati so that the Ohio, Kentucky, uh, Indiana people can come out and hang out. That'll be a big brewery in downtown uh, Cincinnati. We don't have a, a date for that yet. Uh, but we have a lot of events that we're working on and planning. We're going to do a big festival-style thing in rural Indiana soon as well with bands and speakers and all that stuff camp out. So um, a lot Ooh, of fun live stuff music? Did I hear live music? Yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, we're going to have some bands. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a camp out. It's uh, 100 acres. Uh, spot that uh, a wonderful friend is donating to us for the campaign and we're going to have probably our biggest campaign event of the season there so all right man well hey you know thanks for coming on the show it's uh you've been generous with your time i know we went over and everything i know you have a lot of stuff going on um you know maybe we can do this sometime again but uh again thanks yeah let's do it again when i get into the general my name's on the ballot my friend Sounds good. Hey, uh, folks, that, that's Joshua Smith, 2024 Libertarian Party presidential candidate. Uh, you can find out more about his background, qualifications, and platform at joshuasmith2024.com. That's where you can find out. You can also uh, survey some of the shenanigans over on Twitter as well. That's where a lot of the fun is had, and so you don't want to miss out on that. Anyway, hey, uh, 
thanks for thanks for watching thanks for listening if you're just listening on a podcast channel or renegade radio make sure to check me out on the on uh, excuse me rumble.com slash the nun report and uh, i'm on all the socials uh at the nun report except for tiktok because i don't do that commie bs and also on twitter because my old account got nuked so on twitter i'm just at nun report now or just go to my website thenunreport.com. anyway hey uh, thanks again for watching and as always until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers. at 